This is games in schools and libraries. The podcast about board, card and digital games and the ways in which they can find a place in schools or at the local library. Hosting provided by the Games for Educators website www.g4ed.com G'day and welcome to Games in Schools and Libraries. My name is Giles Pritchard. I'm a teacher at uh, St George's Road Primary School in Shepparton, Australia, and uh, I use games in my Grade 3 4 classroom for a whole range of things games clubs, games days, you name it. Uh, you can find me on my blog, castlebymoonlight.blogspot.com, or on Twitter as P. And I'm Donald Dennis uh, for the Georgetown County Library System in Georgetown County, South Carolina where I am the Business Technology Center librarian. There we do business technology stuff, and I do games and technology activities for young adults. And I also have a podcast on boardgames.net, which Giles is a uh, infrequent contributor. Giles, we got to get you on more often. <laughs> Every five episodes, without fail. Without fail. Oh, that sounds good. I like the sound of this. So I'm so excited about this because... We had too much to talk about last time. This time, I cannot wait to do more uh, for Dexterity Games. Exactly. So this episode is our second part in a series that we're doing on Dexterity Games. Last episode, we talked about stacking games and pulling games and some of the considerations to do with Dexterity Games in general in the classroom and the library. So if you're after games like uh, Jenga or Tear Off Tear or Gulo Gulo or any of those sorts of games... Um, our last episode is the one to check out. This episode, we're going to be talking about dexterity games again, but a different genre of dexterity game. This episode, we're talking about games or that involve flicking. So right. do, you want, do you want to give us a quick intro into that, Don? Well, I think probably we'll have time to do both flicking and pitching games because they're very similar in, uh, in what you're trying to accomplish. And basically, you've got a field of play where... You're trying to get whatever it is that you're using as your ball or your puck or your whatever it is and trying to get it to a specific location. So uh, in in the case of flicking games, you're going to know uh, Carom or oh, what's the one I'm trying to think of? Crocodile? Yeah. Oh, there it is. The second one. Okay. And in the case of flicking games, the, the traditional ones that everyone's going to know are Carom or Crocodile. Uh, in pitching games, it's going to be something like uh, horseshoes or the Viking game of Cub, you know, that are, are old games where basically you're trying to get something to another place, uh, sometimes with a specific result of knocking things down or getting in a hole or something along those lines. And so these are, you know, either a micro, you know, very small level, of, uh, you know, physical or in the case of uh, pitching games. You know things that you can do in an auditorium or or outside, and it's just basically a bigger version of of the same kind of thing. Yeah. So pitching pitching is American parlance for throwing. For those listeners uh, here in Australia, if you're not um, up with that, <laughs> I had to I had to pause for a second myself. It's it's a baseball term, you know, that that we've used <laughs> for other kinds because you can throw the ball without pitching it, but you cannot pitch the ball without throwing it. Silence. Yes, dead silence. Crickets <laughs> in the background. I'm sorry. 
no. And, and I suppose those pitching throwing games, um, you'd also call yard games. They, they often, as you said just then, suit and more of an outdoors sort of setting, don't they? Uh, they do, and uh, you know they're they're very exciting. I, I, you know, as silly as it seems, you know, you give somebody a horseshoe and a stake on the ground, they can spend time competing to see who can get it closest to the pole or or get the ringer, uh, you know, or in cornholing or toss across. And toss across is the inside game that I played when I was a kid that I loved, where you've got bean bags and you are trying to flip the uh, counters to represent X's or O's or back to neutral. And, and that's just really, you know, for a kid at the age of eight, I had a lot of fun with that. And uh, I think they also showed it in the movie Santa Claus or, or Santa Claus 2, the Mrs. Claus with Tim Allen. Ah, I'll have to keep my eye out for that next Christmas when it's shown back to back. This The way we're going this episode won't actually be out until Christmas, so that's okay. <laughs> So let, well, we've started the talk on, on pitching and throwing games. Let's continue it. Horseshoes. Right. And, and horseshoes is sort of a, uh, I don't know where it originated, but in the U.S., you know, you've got a tradition of, you know, I grew up in Oklahoma City and my father was from Blanchard, Oklahoma, and they had a field set up, you know, where the post was in the ground out by the barn that, you know, after dinner or when friends were over or family was over, they would actually play horseshoes with <clears throat> honest to God horseshoes now or blanks that, uh, that they got from the farrier. But at my parents' house, we had a bigger set with larger shoes and, you know, something that was obviously made for the rest of dumb America, or I shouldn't say it like that for the rest of America who weren't professional horseshoe throwers. And, you know, it, it was pretty, it was a much easier game and a much funner game to play, much more fun game to play. What's the, the version of this game with the rings where you're trying to get the rings over the top of the, the pole? Is that, it's got a different name, doesn't it? I don't know. I can't remember. Sorry. But yeah, basically the, there are a whole bunch of variants on this. Yeah. And, and, you know, the question is, you know, Frisbee golf is a pitching game and, you know, just... It's you've got some kind of object and you're trying to get it into a basket or around an item or, you know, closest to the target. And, you know, you see it at fairs, you see it, you know, at any kind of field day. And, and it's, oh, and in America, they've started calling the ones with basically a board with holes in it. Uh, you have bean bags that are filled with dry corn and they started calling it corn holing. Yep. Which is also slang for something else. So, it's like, really? Are we going to... <laughs> so, Woody, let, let's describe the game cornholing because it, cornhole because it's not that common a game in Australia. Oh, it's just holes in a board and you're trying to get it into the hole. I mean, yeah. it, I've seen different boards with more complicated setups yeah. where you're trying to get it you know, in like tic-tac-toe or whatever, but there's a wide variety of things. The whole premise of it is you've got a bean bag and you're trying to get it into the right spot on the board. So it's like a, um, a small, you know, a small table um, with the two legs missing so that it's it's leaning down on an angle. It's got a hole oh, right. towards yes, the top. Yes, yes. You're tossing the, the, the bean bag or the, the cornfield bag towards it, trying to get that into the hole. Is that That's, that's basically the premise, isn't it? Right. Though, though I've seen it played with, um, you know, string and bags. You know, yep. it's like you've got... Uh, 
you know, bags where kind of uh, coat hangers are used to make, you know, a wire rim and you're just trying to get it into those, into those bags, sort of like a basketball kind of thing. Yep. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of these makeshift games where you can play it, you know, however you want with whatever you have on hand, uh, you know, kind of like throwing cards into a hat or whatever. Yep. All right. Very good. So, uh, well, one of the games that I want to talk about that sort of fits in this genre is a game called Clop or Mulky. Uh, and this is a Finnish game. It's an outdoor game. It's uh, sort of like, uh, I suppose, 10-pin bowling in a sense. You've got a number of pins, um, and those pins are set up in a particular pattern. Um, they all also have a number blazoned on the top of them. So there'll be two, three, four, all the way up to 12. Um, so you set these pins up in a, in a pattern, very much like 10-pin bowling. You go back, you know, you're, you're three, four metres, whatever else, and you basically get a, a, a piece of wood, like a, a, a cut-off piece of branch, um, and then you underarm throw this this small log at that setup of, of pins, trying to knock them over. Um it would be not that interesting, but there are a couple of little twists to how the game works. So the, the parts that make it interesting as far as I'm concerned, the way you score points, you either score points for the number of pins that you knock over. So if I knock over five different pins, I'll score five points. But if I manage to knock over only one pin, I'll score whatever number is written on top of that pin. So I might knock over the pin that's got the seven on top, I'm going to get seven points. If I knock over the 7, the 9, and the 2, I'm going to get 3 points because I knocked over 3 pins. So that in itself is quite interesting. What makes it even a step more interesting than that, though, is that when you knock things over, when you've got to set it back up again, you just write all of the pins wherever they lie. And so as the game progresses, these pins sort of start to spread out across the the lawn or field or oval or wherever you happen to be playing. Um, And that then, of course, puts pressure on people to come out with even more spectacularly accurate shots with their hunk of wood. (laughs) It sounds, uh, you know, a little bit kitsch, but it really is a a highly enjoyable game. So that's Klopp or Mulkey. Well, and that sounds a lot like Cub, which is... um the Viking throwing game, I guess, yep. um, where you're trying to knock over wooden blocks by throwing sticks at them. And then once you've knocked over, uh, you know, all of the opponent's blocks, you're trying to knock over the king in the center. Unfortunately, yep. this isn't a speed game. You are taking turns, which I think is pretty civilized. <laughs> uh, imagine the sticks, <laughs> sticks out of the field. Well, uh, you've got other people there. But, you know, there's a chance that your baseline is going to move back and forth during the game, at least in the version that we played over at Scott Nicholson's place. And, you know, so these are, you know, some very neat physical games that that I found pretty interesting. Of course, there's a whole range of them. I mean, you know, this is really, this genre of game is really where the lines blur between, you know, a semi-sport and uh, more of a, um, you know, activity or game. Um, of course, you know, there are things like bulls uh, or bocce as well that would fit this category. Um, there's a whole raft of parlour games. You know, England and, and, and Europe have a very strong tradition of, of fantastic parlour games like Shove a Penny and, and others that, that would also sort of fit within this category as well. Darts. So, you know, I mean, you know, even though darts is, you know, a little more precision-oriented than some of these, that would definitely be this category. And yeah. there's a, you know very arcane scoring system for darts where when I was a kid, it was try and hit the bullseye, you know, 
when you get older and you're playing from the right length, you're trying to get the uh, you know the double or you know triple twenty slot yeah. or whatever it is. So love darts, even though I don't know the scoring on it still. I have to refresh my you know don't have a dartboard here. I have to refresh my thoughts you know my knowledge of it every time I play. <laughs> I love it. I've got a dartboard. I need to put it up. So moving from sort of the pitching games, Don, let's move back um, to the flicking shuffleboard style of game. I suppose, you know, taking that descriptor, the most obvious sort of this game would be shuffleboard, um, where players are using sort of cues to push a disc down the length of a track to score particular points. And there's lots of different variations on this style of, of game, Um, Again, one of the more popular ones might be something like air hockey, um, where players are using a sort of a a little, you know, bat to bat a um, air hovering disc around a table with the objective of of scoring a goal. Right. That or or foosball are essentially the same games, just using different technology uh, to, to help, you know, defend your goal or attack or whatever it is. And, And those are very very heavily competitive because you're going head to head against somebody in a very physical way. And a lot of these games, you're not going, you're not competing at the same time. You're flicking at different times. Yep. So then um, moving on from that to some other of those traditional style games, um, carom is uh, a particularly um, Indian carom is obviously uh, an Indian game. There are American boards, but I, I really think that they um, are not very good versions of the game. Um, it would be like playing basketball with a, with a massive, massive, massive basketball ring. It takes the skill out of the game. <laughs> my, my parents had, had a, when I was growing up, they had crokinole on one side and carom on the other. Yep. Those are the ones I'm thinking of. Um, so carom is, a, is, is traditionally a square board. There are holes in each of the corners. It's very much like pool, um, where the players are trying to knock all their pieces into the holes and then, um, or, or, and, and at some stage, sorry, knock the red piece, which is the queen, down a hole and then cover it by, by putting one of their other pieces down there. It, it's very much like pool. You, you're trying to get your... Uh, you're flicking a disc around the board with the objective of knocking the carom which are the other little discs out on the board, into the pockets, uh, and thus you score points. So it's, it's a really interesting game. The board is courted um, from corner to corner, and every and, and the two players or four players each then have their quarter to play from. Um, you put the striker, which is the piece that you actually flick, that, that you actually use to knock the, the other pieces down in, the white ball of the game, um, on a particular line, anywhere along this particular line. So it, it's really interesting. You're trying to get rebound shots and all sorts of neat angles and geometry come into play. It is a really, um, it really is a game of skill, very much like pool is a game of skill. Um, and that's why I think the American version with the much, much larger pockets is, is not as good a version because, because the pockets are so much bigger, it takes the skill out of the game. Right. Well, just like, uh, you know, if you're playing pool, the size of the table matters and, and everything else that for kids, when you're playing with younger kids, it's a great toy to have around the house. Yeah. But if you're trying to play, you know, with people who are actually refining their skills, then you're going to want a level table that's mostly flat and cues that aren't bent and so forth and so forth. And uh, pockets that aren't the, you know, wouldn't fit basketballs down them. Right. So that's, you know, 
definitely Giles <laughs> has a very strong point on that. But oh yes, I do. When I was playing as a kid, you know, at the age of eight, and you know, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to steal that fun from your childhood either, Don. And and really, that's what the game. That's what all games are all about. Is enjoying it. What about Crocodile? Have you played this? This is sort of a, a traditional American game, isn't it? Uh, is it American? I've, I've no American, idea. Where American this came Canadian? From. Is it? I, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, Crocodile is. It's basically shuffleboard played on a round bowl, round board. But there's a hole in the center where, um, if you can get the toad in the hole, you're flicking your thing, and it goes. You know, your Crocodile disc lands in the center. Then you get you know big points right away. And basically what you're trying to do is flick your pieces either straight into the center or to knock other people's pieces out of scoring. So just like Shuffleboard or um, uh, the game with the stones. Curling. Uh, curling, yes. Just like that's a, that, that Canadian pastime uh, or in uh, the northern uh, United States where, where you're trying to get your stones into the right spot. Where winters are long and cold. And so it does very much mimic horseshoes where if you get, you know, the ringer around the center, then, you know, you get big points for that. Otherwise, you're trying to get as close as you can. Yeah. Speaking of this style of game, another game um, that is very much like this, and is probably, I think it certainly used to be widely available and um, has a couple of versions, is a game called Sorry Sliders. Um, this came out, it's, it's a game by Hasbro. It also came out in a Cars version, so themed after the Disney Pixar movie Cars. Um, and basically the players each have a, a set of, um, of coloured pieces with a ball bearing inside of them. They look like the sorry pieces. And they've got a ball bearing inside of them and you flick or, or sort of push your pieces down a track. And, and the track sort of is a puzzle-ish sort of thing, so you can put it together in multiple ways. Um, and the object of the game is that there's a scoring board in the centre that all of these different player boards then, you know, shoot onto, and you're trying, again, to score points, much like darts or crocodile or any of those any of those games we've sort of discussed in that way. Um, it's a really, really enjoyable game. It's a great, even a great party game. This is one that, you know, I always love getting out when we've got a barbecue or something like that because, you know, we set all the player tracks up one after the other and have this great long run down to the scoring boards at the end. It's just a lot of fun. Really, really neat game. Sorry, Sliders. Right, and I tell you, the, the coolest thing about that is all the different board configurations. You can basically play a shuffleboard version of it or you can play a crocodile version of it you know there's a lot that you can do to sort of you know uh, get extra enjoyment out of this it's good for two players or four players you can set up you know like you had the super extended long thing where people are probably going to be flicking their discs or their pawns off into the weeds or you know you can you know go for something that's a little more intimate with just everybody has one board to play off their own thing and yeah we had kids come to the library and they will play the heck out of this. I bought a copy just so, you know, with my own money to take to the library because, you know, it was going to be so much fun. And yeah, so- and I know, I know you can get it, um, or you used to be able to get it in any case here at Toys R Us. And certainly, I, I, I'm, I think it's still pretty widely available. And as I said, there was also a, um, a Cars version of it. So, and it was like yeah. less than 25 bucks. I think yeah, it, was- it was really well priced. Great game. You know, and it's sort of um, 
it sort of reminded me these uh, sorry pawns that have the, the marble inside of it. When I was a kid, we had this game that it was like a there and back again version of a shuffleboard with marbles and little plastic rings around them. Yeah. And so you'd flick this up to the to the top. It would bounce off of a few rubber bands and then send it back down the other side where you were trying to get into a score end and not get it knocked off the end. And there were several games, two or three games, that had these, you know, it was three feet long board, two or three feet long, where it was, you know, back up to the end. I guess I can't really judge how big things were when I was a kid. <laughs> um, that was huge. It was huge. <laughs> and we played that game until the rubber bands, you know, were had no more spring in them. And yeah. it was like... I have to hit this so hard because I'm basically bouncing it off the plastic behind it. And, <laughs> you know, it was a marble with a little a little plastic ring around it. And it's just a lot, a lot of fun. So following on um, from that, there are a whole bunch of games that sort of fit into this bracket as well. Um, another little game often, I believe, is um, like known as Table Shuffleboard or Table Bowls. Uh, there's a, a published version of this game called Flickershay. Um, I think there are some different rule changes as well um, where there is a central disc that is just placed somewhere on the table and then you flick your discs at it and scoring is basically whoever whoever gets closest to that, that puck that's out on the table. So that's a, a really very cheap, easily available, uh, you know, very cheap game, Flickershay, um, and, um, yeah, works works really well. Right. There's a, a game out, and it's kind of expensive. It's called Pitch Car, and basically you're racing your disc around a racetrack by flicking it and hoping it gets to the right area. And it's a lot of fun. And it's very excited. There's another version of it uh, out by another company called Carabande, where uh, you know you've got a little more control over being able to land, like on a curve or something like that. Uh, but you know, Pitch Car is the original. It has huge wooden pieces. If you are looking for a game for a library or a school that will probably last forever. Uh, then the pitch car board is incredibly durable. And, and I know that dealing with public use games, you know, we've talked about previously, oh my gosh, cars, uh, you know, cards are going to get folded, boards are going to get fingered and spilt on or whatever it is yeah. that, you know, uh, pitch car is going to last forever. I have not played Carabande myself, uh, though everything I've heard about it says it's, you know, it's a wonderful game. Um, yeah. But. I, uh, uh, Pitch car is a guy. It's one of those games that's really, really exciting. Um, you know, your car is this little disc. You've set this track up. This, you know, the, the, the racetrack might have long straights and curves, and you know, there are expansions. that have got jumps and all sorts of things in them. So, you know, you, you're trying to flick your disc down and, and get as far around the track, obviously, with one flick as you possibly can, and. Um, it's just a really, really exciting game because when you pull off that perfect flick and your disc manages to hug the corner here and then bounce off there and, and make its way down, that's it just a, it's a really exciting game to play. This is one of those games you're going to play where there aren't chairs at the table because you're going to be wanting to move around all the time. Um, you know, as your disc moves around the track, you move with it to, to keep flicking it around. Um, but, you know, it's just a really exciting game, really well well, well put together and a really enjoyable game. Now, for such a well-put-together game, you're not going to get it cheap. It is expensive, no. and if you're buying it off of eBay and you find, oh, look, I've got a good price on it, 
your shipping is going to be horrendous because it is not you – know, it's basically it you're shipping planks of wood that have been varnished. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, there is another the couple of games that are very similar to this. Um, one called Bicycle and a spin-off of Bicycle called Roadsters. Um, this is a similar thing. You set up a plastic track that looks a little bit like a, um, uh, you know, like an electric slot car track um, without the, the metal um, tracks down the, the centres for the, the cars to go down. So it's a lot like that. But you set this plastic track up. Um, and you are flicking um, instead of flicking discs around the board. What you what you're doing is you've got a little plastic bike in bicycle, or a little plastic car in roadsters, and you you pick that up. You put this little thing down called the Z ball or the Z ball, and that, then that's the one it. I was thinking about before when when I was saying there's one that was like like pitch car. Carabonde is basically just pitch car in a different language. Yeah. Yeah, so this 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 Z ball or Z ball or whatever it is is um is got little weights inside of it, and so you can get some side uh, top spin. But you know, um, it, there's all sorts of different effects if you're very careful with it that you can put on this Z ball. You can stop on slopes. You can do all sorts of things. Um, I've played it, and I think it's a really, really neat game. The, the the Z ball is really interesting, the way that works, and it's a lot of fun. It's it's like pitch car, um, but one of the things that I really like about it is that the game, particularly bicycle, the bicycle version of the game comes with a lot of track, and it, it's actually very reasonably priced. Absolutely. Yeah, and there's a, there's a game with a fantasy sort of tropes um, called catacombs or catacombs. Um, where the players are going on what's what is traditionally in this sort of style of game known as a dungeon crawl. Um, you know, in computer games, this is like uh, Diablo and, and those style of games where you've got your heroes venturing into some sort of caverns or dungeons, um, meeting and, and, and vanquishing creatures along the way to the, the big bad boss at the end of the game. So you've got a set of players who play the mighty heroes and a player who plays the, the evil villain, and then you set the game up. It has multiple levels, and um, it's all handled very easily. For every level, you just whack out a new board. You, you see the board with all the different pieces that you need, and then you flick your pieces around, and it, it works in a really interesting way. So you've got the archer who's going to flick these tiny little yellow discs, or tiny little discs up the board as their arrows. If they hit the creature, they you know wound it, um, and you know the fighter is going to be flicking him. You know you flick the fighter disc around and every disc that he comes into contact with he manages to wound and and so on so all the heroes get their turns the the evil villain gets their turn and and you play over multiple boards like this it is more of a gamey sort of game where players are getting money and they're getting treasures and there are there are other layers and systems on top of the game it's not just simple flicking like a lot of the games that we've been talked we've been talking about but um, it is really an enjoyable game as well and uses the flicking aspect in, in an interesting way as a game mechanism right Dun- dungeon fighter um, is another game that that deals with the fantasy theme and um, however, the the cool thing about it, and also the very difficult thing about it, is uh, when you are attacking the animal creatures, you've got this target sort of on the board, and you know there are different ways that you're going to have to attack it, such as bouncing a die on your nose and dropping it into space and hoping it gets to the right place, and it has to bounce <laughs> once off the board and then onto the board, and 
you know, every time I've heard people talk about playing this game, they said, oh, it sounded really cool. I was really excited about it. Uh, but in the end, they were, oh, my gosh, it's too difficult to make this stuff happen. So yeah, I think that when you're going to play with kids, if you were to play it with you know younger kids, that they would be breaking the rules left and right. But that's yeah. okay as long as they're having fun playing it. I think you can get away with a lot of uh, you know following what you guys feel to be the spirit of the rules instead of the actual rules for the game. Yeah, um, I suppose, you know, taking a step away from the more serious games and going back to some of those lighter um, games, um, something like Hula Hippos, which I believe is published by Game Right, is a great game for little kids. Um, in in this game, you've got um, a wooden ring, so quite quite a large sort of wooden ring, sort of like, I suppose, a little wooden hula hoop that you, you spin on the table. And as it, you know, it spins and spins and then as it, as it starts to slow down, of course, it, it, it um, eventually falls into, you know, on, onto a particular spot and, and so on. As that process is going on, as the ring is, you know, slowing down and starting to fall over, the players have got their little hippos, these little little hippo um, wooden pieces that they are madly flicking towards where they think the ring is going to end up. And the way the game is scored is that you get points if you manage to be the one with, with hippos on the inside of the, the ring. So for every hippo you've got on the inside of the ring, once it stops moving... Um, counts as a point and and you you play to a certain number of points so that can be a really fun little light game for kids um be aware with any of these sort of games that involve fine motor skills particularly flicking where accuracy is required with little kids getting very excited they're not you know they're not going to necessarily be able to manage to flick appropriately um you know as you might expect obviously of, of older kids or adults um, and the accuracy is also going to be well off. Um, so one of the things to think about is to manage the, the length of time the game is going to play for. So while something like Hula Hippos might say, you know, you play until you know the first person to get six points wins the game, um, you might decide, you know, in the game, look, I'll tell you what, the minute somebody gets one point, the game is going to be over and they're going to be the winner because right. that's just how the game's going. So, you know... You've got to be able to be a little bit flexible. It is a lot of fun. I'm not saying that you know that that that's a red flag or anything like that. But it it's um, I think I think it's something to think about with all of these games. You know, if they're taking too long, do modify them because um, you know sometimes they ask of the players more, particularly if the players are younger than they can physically manage. Right, and you know, as always, a randomization. I've, oh, I've got to apologize because they're mowing the yard outside the window. Uh, here in February, they're doing yard work, and so if you hear a buzzing or whatever it is, the, the Eric um, Eric's complained about this kind of thing before. I'm sorry, but uh, randomization is a great way to help combat that. And there's a, a series of games called Tumbling Dice, which is kind of like shuffleboard except for it's on tiers. So yep. you know, it's a one level is where you're starting, and then it, it breaks you know, down into another level, which is physically, you know, sort of placed under the other one and, and a little forward and like, like staircases. Set of steps, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and each one of these is worth, uh, you know, a multiplier onto the value of whatever the die is rolled onto. And then it breaks out into little toes, like at the end of the steps for some. And, and there's Tumble and Dice and Tumble and Dice Jr. 
And so you have your color of dice and you're flicking them down and taking turns. So once again, you're going to be trying to push the other people off the board and, and get yours into the best place. But if you're down at the six times value step and you roll a one, you're still going to get six points. But if you happen to get you know, the six on the four times step, then, oh, you're in the money. Uh, yeah. So because it's random, uh, uh, younger players feel a lot more in control. No, that's not the right word. They feel a lot more competitive, even yeah. though they don't really have the ability to to control necessarily what's going on. Yeah. So Tumbling Dice is a great game. It's it's also a little expensive, but they have the full-size version and the junior version, and, and they're both very, very popular in our game group whenever we get uh, either just a break between other games or when uh, you know we have younger players who are joining us. Yeah. Now, it sounds like a fantastic game. That's one that I would have um, I've really wanted to get for a long time. Um, and in addition, of course, to all of those games we've talked about, there are you know a, a vast range of different flicking games out there. There's um, you know something like Knights of Crylale is is a is a flicking game where players have got um, their set of, of pieces that they're flicking down the table towards um, different you know in the in the theme of the game. They're sort of like trolls, and each troll has got a different strength than you. If you're if you're token is closest to the troll you score points for it because you're the one that got in that the killing blow and defeated it but the the special part about it is that each of your pieces has also got a special ability that does something different so you know there, there are plenty of games that utilize these flicking um shuffleboard style of um, mechanisms from the very simple we've talked about stuff like uh, hula hippos or um, pitch car um, all the way through to the more complex, and you know we've mentioned catacombs, another great example of a of a much much more complex game that uses a flicking mechanism is Ascending Empires, which is a really a four X space civilization game where you whoa, are. Whoa, 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 whoa! You're using jargon. Explain to our listeners what four X is. <laughs> yeah, good catch there, Don. So four X would be your explore. Um, oh, what, what do they all stand for, Don? Ex- now, I've said it. Explore. Expand. Expand, exploit, and exterminate. Something along those lines? Pretty much, yeah. Basically, they're big games. Yeah, it's, it's really about building up an empire, you know, making use of the resources on the board, building up, you know, building up the capacity of your empire and then wiping out your opponents. Um, so Ascending Empires is really a space empire game and the board is this quite large board. All the planets are wooden pieces that drop into holes on that board and then your spaceships, you flick a, a little wooden pieces that you actually flick around the board. So your movement of spaceships between um, your planets and the planets that you either want to explore or attack or whatever else, all of that movement is done by flicking. Um, and so it's a really interesting way... Uh, to add that mechanism into the game, the the, the whole other aspects of the game very um, not not you know much more involved than any of the other games that we've talked about. It's much more of a gamer's game. It's an empire building game. There are whole layers on what strategies you want to pursue, whether you want to build up these technologies or those technologies. Um, you know whether it's right to attack or not. Do you need to build this or build that? Do you need to use this or use that or 
do this or do that, there are a lot more, you know, there's, there's a lot more sort of nuance in the decision tree that you need to, um, you know, think about when you're playing the game. But the flicking aspect is, is very, very important in the game as well. You, you move it, that's how you move your pieces around the board. And so it, it's a really interesting mechanism to bring into a much heavier game. So these style of games really cover the gamut um, from the very simple to the much more complex. But I think uh, I've probably talked long enough, Don, about these style of games. Um, There's still plenty more to talk about in terms of dexterity games. How about we save that for a future episode? I think that's a good idea, especially since I've got yard workers right outside my room, and I don't want to inflict that on our listeners any longer than I have to. (laughs) Uh, So uh, if we're lucky, Giles is or I, whoever's editing this one, has muted out the uh, random background noise. So um, I'm Donald Dennis. And I'm Giles Pritchard. And you've been listening to Games in Schools and Libraries, which can be found where, Giles? At our website, gameschoolslibraries.com. And uh, last episode, we we remind everyone that we've changed our RSS feed. You can go to our website, gameschoolslibraries.com, and there's a link there. Um, or iTunes should handle that for you if you subscribe to the show via iTunes. Games in Schools and Libraries is kindly hosted by the Games for Educators website. You can find them at www.g4ed.com. You can subscribe to their newsletter, check out games through their game finder, and of course, it's the home of the Games in Schools and Libraries podcast. Drop by and post comments on the episodes. We love feedback. Games in Schools and Libraries is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. To view a copy of this license, visit our webpage at the Games for Educators website.